We are in a series called Transformation. And what we're doing is we're looking at areas of our lives that we need to transform. We're going to look at a total of seven areas. The first one we're starting with this morning is your eternal world. We're going to look at Christian growth. We're going to talk about Christian growth this morning. The next three weeks after that, we're going to be looking at your internal world, my internal world. That's our physical world, our mental world, and our emotional world. And then the following three weeks after that, we're going to look at that external world, that world of uh, vocation or career, finances, relationships. And we're going to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, how healthy are we? And what's one step we can take to move towards a healthier position than where we are? So that's what we're after. So this morning, we're going to be talking about spiritual growth, okay? And most people assume that when we talk about spiritual growth, spiritual growth is something that um, it, it just happens. It's kind of like weeds. You just don't have to do anything. All of a sudden, weeds pop up. You know, I mean, think about it. You know how much effort you put in your garden, right? How much effort do you put in weeds? No, they just come up. And, and, and you can keep trying to, to get rid of them, and, and, and you, have to work at, you have to work at them not coming up. Some people look at spiritual growth like that. It's like, you know what, I just go to church every week and I'll just keep growing. You're going to grow, but that's not intentional growth. That's not, you're not going to get where you want to be or where you desire to be any more than that gas pump sitting in front of a shed is going to look like that at the end of 10 years. At some point, to go from something like this to something like this, there's a process. There's, an, there's, there, there's a whole set of intentional goals like you talked about this week in your small group there's a whole set of sitting back and going you know what here's some here's some areas that i think i could change all right so this morning here's what we're going to do we're going to read a story about somebody who faced this it's cs or um charles dickens i think said uh this he thought this is the greatest story that was ever written um it's a story you know it as the prodigal son we're going to i like to refer to it as really the story of the loving father and we'll get into that just a little bit. But um, it's a familiar story to many of you. But we're going to read it, and then we're going to pick out a couple. We're going to pick out the process of growth for that son, and then we're going to apply it to us. So that's where we're going. So uh, throw it up on the screen, guys, and we'll, I'm going to go one slide after another with it. So here's what it says: Luke 15. Jesus told the story. A man had two sons. A younger son told his father, "Give me my share of my estate now." Instead of waiting until you die, so his father divided his wealth between his sons. Now, when he comes to dad and says, give me, this is basically a way of saying this. Dad, you're not dying fast enough. So, I don't want to wait around for you to die. Why don't you just give it to me right now? So he divides it up with, between his two sons. And then notice what happens. Again, his attitude here is give me. It's all about me. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings. He left home to live in a distant land. He got as far away from his father as he could. There, he squandered the gift he'd been given and wasted his life and money on wild parties and reckless living. About the time all of his money ran out, a severe famine hit the land. And he began to starve because he was left with nothing. So now, all of a sudden, the circumstances have changed. He's starting to realize that uh, probably wasn't the best decision in the world. And things need to change. The only job he could find was feeding swine on a farm. Now, you need to understand, if you're a Jew... Uh, first of all, I could, don't think I could ever be a Jew because I'd have to give up bacon, and I don't know that I could go there. Uh, but 
The only job he could find was feeding swine on the farm. Now, Jews and pigs, and that, was a, that was an unclean animal. He's feeding them. So, I mean, he's kind of hitting bottom at this point. Notice what he says. He became so desperate and hungry that even the pig slop he was feeding the swine looked good to him. Now, those of you who've been on a farm know this. When you're carrying the slop bucket out and you're going, you know, that looks like, boy, I think I could, you know, that, that corn cob, they haven't kind of cleaned that whole thing off yet. I mean, it's pretty tough if you're at that point. And again, they were in a world, not like our world, where we, we waste a lot of stuff. There's a world that when they were going out to feed the pigs, there wasn't much left in the bucket anyway. And now this guy's going, that looks good. But no one would give him anything for his hunger. So all of his friends who were feeding him and partying with him and everything else, they're, not, they're nowhere to be found. And by the way, this is what you will find. If you haven't figured this out in life yet, you will. Um... True friends are usually not people who do all the partying with you. Because when you really need them, the world's about party. It's not not about helping you through crisis. Um, And so they're gone. And he said, so he finally came to his senses. He said to himself, this is crazy. In my father's house, even the lowest paid workers are eating well. Well, I'm dying of hunger. I'm going to return to my father and humbly say, Father, I've sinned against both God and you. I'm no longer worthy to be part of this family or called to be your son. But please, again, beginning it was give me. Now it is make me one of your servants who works for you. With that attitude, he headed back to the father. Now he takes off, he heads home going on while the son was still a long distance away his father saw him coming um filled with love and compassion he ran out to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him i i got to stop here because we went through this series we went through this um ray vanderland series and he he talked about this story and it put it in perspective i've never understood before I have always read this story with the idea that this guy lived on a farm and that it was a great big sprawling kind of farm thing and that he would just kind of walk out and he would step out and he would look at the hillside waiting for his son to come back. That's always kind of the image that I have. What is more true of this period in history is these people were living in the city. And in the city, the streets are very, very narrow. All the houses are put to very, very close. There is a concept in which the father of the family is responsible for everybody in the household. And his goal is to keep everybody in the household safe because he's responsible for them. When this son took off, it was a failure on his part as a father to take care of his family. So he was always looking for his son to come home. So what it would mean is, when it says that his father saw him coming afar off, the idea here is that the father would regularly, every day probably, get up, get stuff done, go out to the hillside, and look to wait for his son to come back. So there's an incredible effort on the part of the father. That's why I say it's really a story of the loving father. Um, I was trying to think of a modern-day parallel to that, and here's what the modern-day parallel would be. Let's say your kid walked away from home 
your kid decided to go away from home and they said, I don't want anything to do with you, mom or dad. And they walked out on you. And back then, the only way to go anywhere was a bus station. So they went to Sioux City, they got on a bus and took off and, and, and you, you prayed and you hoped every day that they would come home. And so here's what you do every day. You'd get up, you'd get all your stuff done, you'd go down to the bus station downtown and you would sit and you would wait, hoping your son would one day get off the bus. Day after day, week after week, month after month, hoping, praying that he would come. That, that's really the concept here. Is the father is looking for the son. The father is praying for the son to come back. The father is wanting the son to come back. And he goes on to say, and he said, and, and notice, um, filled with love and compassion, he ran out to his arms. He threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. The son said, Father, I've sinned against both God and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And as we said, the father said to one of his servants, quick, bring me the finest robe in our house and put it on him. Get my signet ring for his finger, shoes for his feet. Uh, that the ring was a symbol of authority, being, being his child, his, his, part of his inheritance. Roast the calf that we've been fattening. In other words, go get, you know, that, you know that special turkey that we've been waiting for for Thanksgiving? We're having it today. Um, you know that special cow, cow that, that, that we've been fattening up and waiting until it gets the right size, and, and we're going to have that for a big celebration feast and barbecue and all, go get it. We're going to celebrate with a feast of eating and drinking. For this child of mine was distant and dead, but now he's back and alive. He was lost again, but now he's fine. So let the party begin. And that's the story. I want to focus on the process that it took this kid, this, this, this son, to really grow back into a relationship with the father, like he wanted to. Okay? So let's zero in on a couple of things. So... Um, and, and, and here's here's what I here's basically some of the uh, the processes that, that that he went through. And I put this section of the verse up um, so that this is where we're going to focus this morning. But here's the first thing: <clears throat> you got to have a desire to change. I mean, you really got to want to change. And, and see, that's I think where most of us get stuck. Here's the bottom line: we're kind of okay with where we are. You know, it's just like when I got this pump from Jeff. He was okay with it like this. He, he didn't have a desire. I mean, he might have a desire to, for it to look like that. But right now, he's okay with it. In fact, it's, he's actually given people a place of prominence because it was in the back 40 where nobody ever saw it. And he thought, you know what? It would look nice up on my shed just as something cool rather than just let it rust out there. Let's bring it, and let's put it in front of the shed. So, but a desire to go from this to that? Not now. And, and, and this is what I see all the time in spiritual growth. What happens is people just kind of go along in the spiritual life. There's really no desire, real desire, to get from here to there. Until a crisis comes. And they go, oh, I want the peace that person has. What they don't realize is that person has been developing that relationship for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So for them, this is just a natural deal. And you're wanting to go, it'd be like me going, okay guys, I really don't want this to be like this. So tomorrow I'm going to make it look like that. You look at me and go, you're crazy, it doesn't work like that. You know how much work is involved to get it? Yes, I do, we did it. 
But I see this all the time where people are like, well, wait a minute, I, 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 this is what I want when I have a crisis. I want a spiritual life that's solid and looks like it's supposed to look. But right now, things are going okay. I don't need that. This kid didn't have a desire to get back to dad when things were going well. When it's party, and when it's drinking, and when it's fun, and when he's got his health, and when he's got plenty of food, he's got lots of people around him, he doesn't have any desire for that. Until something happened. And there's got to be a desire on your part. Life experience, here's what I've learned. It is far easier to fix it here than to try to be in the middle of a crisis and play catch-up. See, if you, have a develop, if, you, if you develop a consistent prayer life, then when something happens, prayer is just natural. Instead of waiting and having no prayer life and all of a sudden a crisis coming, you're going, okay, God, I know you haven't heard from me since like 1982, but here's what I need from you. I'm not saying God's not going to listen and God's not going to hear, but here's the thing. Prayer is awkward for you at that point. It is difficult to play catch-up at that point. It is so much smoother to be able to incorporate it as a process. He had to have a desire. And what happens is, and this is when the desire happened for him, he's carrying a slot bucket out and he's going, man, that looks good. And that's like, wait a minute. The worst, the lowest paid employee of my dad eats better than this. What am I doing here? I just go back and work for dad. I'd be far better off just working for dad. There was no desire until things got tough. <clears throat> I would love to see, and in my own life, this is what I've learned, it's a whole lot better to not get to bottom before you have that. It's a whole lot easier to do it way back here when you can. Teenagers, please hear me. It is a whole lot better to never experience some of the things that will snare you in life for decades. You know, often we'll stand people up and they'll give these testimonies of how they were saved from drugs and, 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 and this, you know, drinking and all this horrible lifestyle and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and as Christians, we sit back and we go, oh, we're so thankful God did that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm, all, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled about that. But you want me to tell you where I think the grace of God is greater? There's a kid who stands up and says, yeah, I'm 30 years old, never got involved in the drug thing, never, get, never became an alcoholic thing, never did the alcoholic thing. You know, um, I've kept my life, I've, I've kept myself pure for marriage, um, I'm wanting what's God's best for us. Let me tell you something, you want the grace of God exhibited at a level that you and I barely come, there's the grace of God. There's the grace of God. And in some cases, in fact, when I was a youth pastor, I used to do this. I'd have people who came from a horrible background and got saved, and they'd come to me and they go, hey, I want to give you my testimony. I want to give my testimony to the kids. I want to tell the kids. And they would get into it and say, okay, here's the deal. You can give your testimony to the kids, but I don't want you to talk at all about your past. Well, then what is there to talk about? I said, exactly. I don't want somebody standing in front of kids glorifying sin and talking about how all the sin that they were involved with. I want you to talk about the grace of God and how God changed your life and how, what God's doing in your life. We don't need to know about all that stuff. 
And then they're like, oh, I don't know that, you know, I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, I know, yeah, you know you won't, but I know you, you know, I know what you're saying. Because it, was it wasn't about that. And, and, and that's so important. And this guy got to a point where you got, he really, really desired it. And then notice what he said. He finally came to his senses. Um, I, I love this. He, he finally was honest with himself. And you've got to be honest with yourself. I mean, if you want spiritual growth, if you want to take the next step, you've got to be honest with yourself. Stop making excuses. Stop blaming everybody. And we are really good at this. We are really good at blaming other people for why we, where we are, for why we are where we are. Ooh, boy, that was a word. Um, and what he said is, he, he finally came to a sense. He finally said, you know what? Who's to blame for this? This was a choice I made. I got here because of my bad choice. And so, you know what? I'm going to change it up. And he finally woke up and said, even, even the servants, and, and this is what you've got to see in spiritual growth. It's just like this. I had to be honest about the condition of, not this pump, but the pump that we restored. I'd be honest about it. I had to figure out what needed to be done. I had to figure out what, what the steps were going to be involved. You know, I couldn't magically make it happen. I had to sit there, and, and what he says is, he finally came to his senses. He finally said, look, there's nobody else to blame. I am here for that. So, notice what he does. He humbly says what? I've sinned against God and you. You know how hard that would have been for that kid to come back and say, all right, I need your help, Dad. I made a mess of this thing. It's one of the hardest steps of spiritual growth. Because we get this crazy idea, and I don't know where we come up with it, but we get this crazy idea that if we're a Christian, we should magically have all the answers and be able to do all this on our own. That, that, that's insane. Why, why do we think that? Well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that they might know that I struggle with trusting God. Want to take a vote? How many of us struggle with trusting God this week? My hand goes up first. But we're so, we get so afraid. It's like, oh, no, I'm afraid of what they're going to think. Look, I've said this over and over again. I'm so focused on trying to keep me straight, I don't have time to worry about whether or not you got your act together. You know? And, and, and we've got to get to this point where we say, you know what? Humbly, humbly, I will do what I need to do to get wherever I need to get in my Christian growth. Um, <clears throat> he took ownership. He was honest. He said, all right, God, I messed up. I, I dropped the ball. And at some point in spiritual growth, you have to do that. Here's a question. I, I get this all the time. People are like, well, God is so far from me. I'm just so far from God. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Who moved? I mean, really, who moved? If you're here this morning and you feel really distant from God, here's my question for you. Who moved? He's the same yesterday, today, forever. The father in this story was constantly going out looking for the son. It was the son who had gotten far away from him. It says he went to a distant land as far as he could go. He wanted to get as far away from God as he could. And this is what I'd suggest. Some of you, you've been hurt by Christianity or church or purple or pe purple. people, whatever else. You've been hurt. And you just run away. 
And, and here's what I want you to understand. If you take ownership and you realize, you know what? You're the one that's moved away. You know? And you go, well, you don't understand what the church hurt me. Those people hurt me. I'm going to say this as lovingly and as kindly as I can, but it's not going to come across that way, so I'm put my little parentheses around it. Then your focus was in the wrong place. Take ownership of that. My focus is not on how everybody else is serving God or not serving God. My focus is not on how everybody else treats me and what they should do as, or should not do as a Christian. My focus is on Jesus Christ. He hasn't disappointed me. He hasn't let me down. So, honestly, I mean, I have a lot of people that I look up to and respect in the ministry, but you know what? All of them could go down the tubes tomorrow and it's not going to shake my faith because my faith is not focused on them. My faith is focused on Jesus Christ. My faith is not focused on a church and how a church treats me. My faith is focused on Christ. If a church treats me wrong, then I go and find another church. And if they treat me wrong, I go and find another one. And I do that until I get it right. And you go, well, I just can't find any of them. Well, honestly, maybe you just have way, way maybe your, 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 your idea of church needs to be adjusted a little bit. Because honestly, you've got, you've got to take ownership in it. And that's what this guy, this guy does. He comes back. And notice what he says. He says, make me. He humbly comes back and says, I'll do whatever. This is the deal breaker for most of us is we're not willing to do whatever. We want God to do it on our terms. And that's, this kid doesn't come back to God and say, okay, or come back to the Father and say, okay, Father, here's the thing. I'll make you a servant if, you know what, now look, you pay that person $10 an hour, I've got to have at least 15 He comes back and says, you got a job, I'll take whatever you got. I'll do anything. If you're really going to grow in any of these areas that we're going to talk about, you've got to be able to, willing to do whatever it is you need to do. Um, you've got to be able to say, you know what, I'll, I'll swallow my pride, I'll take ownership in it, I'll get help, and I'll, I'll, I'll do what I need to do. And then notice the last thing that happens, and, and it's in the next passage. But what, what does a father do? How does a father respond to this thing? He does what? He's, he celebrates, he has a party. He goes, you know what? This is awesome. He said, let's, let, let, let's celebrate because here's the thing. <clears throat> and this is what you've got to understand about spiritual growth. What is the father focused on? Yes, but take it a little bit a step farther. You're close. I should just wait until you get it right. The Father is focused on the relationship and the future, not the past. You get that? That's important. The Son comes back and says, make me a servant. And the Father says, let's talk about your future. Here's a ring. Here's a row. Past is behind us. We're moving forward. Let's have a party. Too many of us allow Satan to get us to focus where? Past. When we do what we need to do to grow spiritually, it is about our future, not about where we were in the past. You're not going to go home looking in your rearview mirror 
driving home, staring in the rearview mirror. You're looking forward, and every once in a while you'll glance back, like the other day, to see police lights in your rearview mirror. Fortunately, he went around me and kept going. So, uh, But you know how it goes. The whole time you're going, uh-oh, what did I do? And for some reason, I've got, I've got pulled. I've been pulled twice in the last couple of months. And, I mean, both times were, you know, both times I'm thinking of all the things they could have gotten me for. Um, and uh, let's see, the one time it was for a registration tag that I hadn't gotten put on yet, and the other time it was for a uh, uh, light that was out. It was really great. Both times the Sioux City police officer, they pulled in and said, I just thought I'd give it to you, let you know this is going on, and, and just so you're aware of it. I'm like, oh, thanks, you know, thanks for doing your job and really not writing me up. Uh, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you see those lights and it lets you know, okay, I've got to check, make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, but I don't focus there. I focus on where I'm going. And, and that's so important. This, in this situation, the kid comes back. He's all, he's all beating himself up over the past, right? What does the father do? Let's talk about it from this point on. I um, ran across this quote, actually, after it already done my notes. Here's what C.S. Lowe said. You can't go back and change the beginning. But you can start where you are and change the ending. You can't change. You can't go back and change the beginning. But you can start where you are and change the ending. And that is so true for us. That's what we're talking about when we talk about spiritual growth. Okay? So, let's get really practical here. And let's ask yourself here. Here's what's going to happen this week. Okay? Um, for those of you who have a book, okay? you don't have to turn there, but um, I'm, I'm going to tell you about this, and, and when you talk in a small group, you will. You have to ask yourself, what do you really desire? And just like when I went to restore the gas pump, I'd do a lot of research and figure out what I was dealing with and, and what I needed to do to get to that. You're going to have to figure out where you are right now spiritually. And so that's something most of us think about. So here's what's going to happen. Here's what can happen. <clears throat> in your book, on, and I'll put this out in the email I send out tomorrow, um, in your small group, you guys will talk about this too, on, on page 220 in this book, there is a spiritual assessment. Seven questions in five categories. Um, take the test. Take the test. And then look over the results. It's going to look at, um, I'm going to get it up here. I got it in a different thing. So um, it's going to, okay, so let me walk everybody through this, okay? Five categories. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, evangelism. You're going to ask yourself how you're doing in those areas. Um, seven questions in each one of those categories. For those of you who don't have a book and you don't want a book and you think, boy, I'm glad I didn't take one. Uh, I have sheets for you. Um, as you leave, you can pick one up and take it and take it on your own. Okay? Be honest with yourself. Look at where you are. And then I want you to go through the list. And I want you to ask yourself, can you find one thing on this list that you desire to do better in? Just one. Just one. Because all I'm going to ask you to do this week is to take a step on that one thing. I'm not asking you to get all 35 of these things lined up. I don't have all 35 of these things lined up. But I can find one that I can do better in. This will give you an idea. And I'm asking yourself, do you really desire to do this 
and to do better in this. Okay? Do you really desire? You want to stay like that? Okay, stay like that. Don't take the test. Don't take the paper. Don't do the book. Don't do the small group. Just stay where you are. Okay. Just don't be surprised. Fifteen years down the line, five years down the line, a year down the line, there's a crisis, and you're going, man, I wish I would have done things differently. Well, you still start where you are. It's just harder now because stuff changes. So that's where you are. So first of all, you've got to ask yourself, is that what you desire? Then ownership. Be honest. Stop making excuses. You know, well, you know, I'm just so busy. Really? Really? You? You, you know, well, I just have too many, too much time in it. No, look, understand the whole time argument, okay? Let's just understand what time. You have time for what's important for you. You all get 24 hours. I get 24 hours, nobody gets more, nobody gets less. It's about priorities and what you do in those 24 hours. So be honest with yourself and say, right now, it's not a priority for me. Don't kid yourself and lie to yourself. Well, I, you know, I just don't have time to spend with God every day. I really want a spiritual walk, but I just don't have time. No, wait a minute. You, no, be honest with yourself. I really want a spiritual walk, but right now it's not that important to me, so I'm not going to spend any time doing it because there are other things that are more important to me. Be honest. Because you can't help yourself if you keep lying to yourself or keep excusing yourself. Okay? Then here's what you're going to do. <clears throat> For those of you then that look at this and go, okay, here's where I am. I want to do better. Next step is humility. You've got to get help. You and I are in a world where there are so many internet resources, it is not funny. You want to you do devotions, I mean, they'll pop up on your phone automatically for you. They'll pop up on your computer. Um, you know, you can listen to them on the radio. There, there are so many options for something like that. But here's one option I'm going to give you. Your leader, your small group leader, um, and I'll probably leave a copy back there for those of you who aren't in small group is going to have one of these sheets this week. And here's what it does. It has every one of those categories listed, every one of those questions listed, and has three steps. For those of you who want to crawl, there's a step. For those of you who want to walk, there's a step. For those of you who want to run, you really want to push the limit, there's a step. So let me walk you through this and give you an example. For instance, um, here's, here's one for me, okay? Here's one I'd like to do better in. Um, I, got, I got all the way to the second question before I knew I needed a lot of improvement. So... Uh, here's my second. Here's the second question. I am dependent on God for every aspect of my life. I figured out where I was in that, and I'm pretty independent, pretty self-sufficient. And I'm thinking, you know what? I would love to tell you that that is true, but I got some room to grow there. And that, let's say, I picked that one as my. I want to work on that. My one step that I want to work on. So I go to my small group leader and I say, okay, I, give me give me some help here. What do I do? And the small group leader is going to say, all right, you want to crawl, walk, or run? And I'm going to say, crawl. Okay? Um, you know, um, which is what most of us would do because it's really low in our area. So here's what the suggestion is. Wake up with a prayer of thanks to God every morning. So get up tomorrow morning and say, okay, God, it's going to be a tough day, but thanks for it anyway. God, it's still snowing. It's March. 
Don't know if you're aware of that, but it's not supposed to happen like that. But God, thank you that I have a vehicle, a warm room, a warm house, a roof over my head, and I didn't sleep in the cold last night. That's how you crawl. Those of you who decide that you want to run, here's the suggestion. Read through the Psalms. Note all the times that the writer of the Psalms talks about his dependency on God. How do those words describe and hit you? It's a little tough. It's going to take a little more effort. For those of you who want to run, God bless your souls. Fast from a food or some object that you normally depend on. Focus on God as you fast and remind yourself how dependent you are on God for your life. Do it on a regular basis. Okay, God, I'm going to try to be dependent on you this week. So instead of coffee every morning, there you go. Let's go back to crawl. Uh, I'm telling you, walk, crawl, walk, run. Okay, figure out where you are to take a step. Is this making sense? Okay, I'm not. We're not talking about knocking out 35 areas and get. We're talking about look. If you do this on a regular basis, you take an evaluation, you stop. My wife and I do this with our marriage. Every so often, we just did this about two, three months ago. We take a marriage assessment test to figure out where we are in a marriage and helps for where we want to go next. That's what we're talking about, for your spiritual life. You sit there and you go, okay, this is where I am spiritually. Evangelism, worship, fellowship, discipleship, whatever it is. Find one area and say, you know what? I'm going to take one step. So let me show you how it plays out in real life. Let's say that I, I, I do this every day. I, I hit the ground. Before I hit the ground, before I put my feet out of, on, on the floor out of bed in the morning, I have thanked God for the day that I have in front of me. Now, you start doing that every week. You start doing that for month after month. You start doing that for a couple of years in a row. And then all of a sudden, you start to go through a crisis. What do you think is going to happen? Your life turns upside down, everything hits the fan. You've got a 10-year habit behind you. And so you'll pray something like this, God, it's really hard for me to thank you for this day. But I do realize how much I've got to be grateful for. The Lord, for 10 years, you've helped me through all kinds of stuff. I'm really going to need your help today. And it is not something that's unfamiliar to me. It's not something that's odd. It's not something that's awkward. It's something that's natural. Because it was something that I started. And you start implementing those things in your life, in your spiritual life. Then you start to get to the place where God wants you to be. Is this making sense? Is this making Because see, some of you, you don't realize that spiritual growth is intentional. Just like my marriage. I want a great marriage. I work at it. It's intentional. The things that I do are intentional. It's the same way with your spiritual growth. So if you're like, you know what, I don't spend any time at all in the Bible. Okay, fine. Let's just let's, let's come up with a plan. Let's come up with something to help you. Well, I'm not a good reader. Great, we got that covered. Well, you know, I just, you know, I just did. We can come up with something, but you got to be humble enough to say, help me. That's why the small groups, and you're going to find out that whatever you're struggling with, there are other people in the group who are wrestling with it too. You're not in it alone. And you help each other. You really want to get serious, you make yourself accountable to somebody. So you look at somebody in your small group who you've kind of connected with, and there's somebody in the church you kind of connect with, you say, hey, look, you know what? I want you to, next week when we come in here, ask me if I spent time in my Bible every day. 
you can go, whoa. Because here's what will happen. There'll be a day that you think about not doing it, but if you know they're going to ask you on Sunday, you'll go do it anyway. Right? You know? Right? Now what happened? Kind of like my wife and I, you know, I started taking over the, the, the money part because um, we, we started moving everything online and I'm more comfortable in computer than she is. So one of the options that you have when you start doing everything electronically is you have the option of having your... Um, Paper, your, your, your visa bill sent paperlessly to email. And I thought, well, well, you know, we could just slide. Honey, don't you remember when you were up in the hospital, you said I could buy this. Um, and I stepped back and I thought, you know what? One of the things that would help is for me is I never opted for paperless. I opted for the idea that it always comes so she can always look at it. Make myself accountable so that we're on the same page. So she goes, what's this about? Don't you remember when you were in the hospital? I'm telling you, I got a good two months out of this one. Um, But, I mean, you know, that's the idea. It's that that accountability thing. So you make yourself accountable to somebody that way. Again, you're like, well, you know, it just sounds like, you know, I I don't need to do that. Let me ask something. If you don't need to do that, then you don't have a problem in growing in this area, right? Because you already bastard this year, right? If you're not doing it, get the help you need to do it. And you swallow your pride and you go, we're all in this together and we're all struggling together. And then here's the thing. You, you, I think we forget this so often. You celebrate what God is doing in your life. Do you get the idea of that's the value of communion every Sunday? I thought it was insane when I came to a church to did communion every Sunday. I thought, this is crazy. You know? I mean, we do, we do this every week. It's going to get old. I actually, early in this ministry, I went to the board and said we didn't need to do it every Sunday. And, of course, the board and their infinite wisdom, these guys are really good at asking really great questions. Well, pastor, tell us, why don't you think we should do it every Sunday? I said, you know, I said, it, we'll, it, it's, we'll get into the routine. I said, it'll just become, I said, we'll do it then without thinking. And he said, like singing or preaching? Well, maybe not. Um, we'll do, you know, we'll, we'll get into this, we'll get into this thing of, uh, uh, well, you get repetitious. Like a sermon every Sunday? It is what you make it. And I have learned since that the value of every Sunday coming back and saying, dear God, thank you for the cross. I'm, I want to celebrate it. I want to remember it. I want to honor it. I don't ever want it to get old and fresh, or old and and, and stale. I wanted to say fresh and close and sacred and special in my heart. That's what I want, God. I want to celebrate what you have done for me. And I think one of the things, and we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about this later as we go into some of the other areas, particularly in the mental and emotional thing. This idea of gratefulness is a bigger deal than you and I realize. Of learning to be thankful. You start taking steps like this, I'm going to tell you right now, up front, I'm not going to to sugarcoat this. You need to understand. You start taking steps like this, God will be thrilled because he knows how much it will help you. Satan will do everything he can to keep it from happening. Don't let Satan win here. I'm not asking you to put all 35 areas in line. I'm asking you to pick one. 
I'm asking you to take one intentional step in your spiritual growth, in your spiritual life, to say, all right, I'm going to intentionally work on one area this week to get one step down. In, in, the, in the analogy of the gas, here's what I would say. It was the day that I went to the store and bought a can of Bondo. Because I knew I was going to need it for the project. It was part of the process, so I went to the store and made a purchase. That was a step. You know, well, that didn't sound like it was a big step. It doesn't sound like it was a big step. Until you go to put Bondo on, you don't have it. That whole project is a series of little bitty steps. This is a little bitty step in your spiritual life. And for some of you who you're at a point where you just want to take it all the way to the top level of it and you want to run, 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 forest, run. Okay? Uh, you run with it. You run with it because it, it is not going to hurt you at all um, in the long run. And, and our goal as a church is that as we become the kind of people that can handle life well, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, vocationally, financially, relationally, as we become people that can handle it well, the world sees us handling it like God wants us to handle it. And they come to us and say, tell me how to do that. And I can say, it's not about the process, it's about the person. Let me introduce you to Jesus Christ. That's ultimately what we're after. And uh, my challenge to you is to figure out where you are spiritually. Okay? Ask yourself if you're content there. Be honest. If you're not, take one step. Just one step. And watch how God honors and uses that down the line. Romans 12. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You are in Christ. You are a new creation. Old things in the past. All things new. It's intentional. So I end it with this. Spiritual growth is intentional. It doesn't happen automatically. It starts with a desire to have a different type of spiritual life requires us to realize we are responsible for our spiritual growth. After we've taken ownership, we've got to humble ourselves enough to get the help we need to make the changes we need to make. We remember to celebrate our present and future and not allow Satan to get us focused on our past. Let's pray. Lord, help us. <laughs> Lord, we don't believe that anyone can get to the point that they have arrived spiritually. For every one of us, Lord, this is a process. And every one of us in here are at different stages in that process. We all got here through different journeys. And Lord, as we go forward, Lord, for some who continually allow the, the past to beat them up, Lord, would you help them to realize that, uh, Lord, you're about where they're headed, not where they've been. Lord, for those who are trying to do what's right and heading in the right direction. Lord, this week, would you help them to take that next step? Wherever it is, whatever it is, do what they need to do to help, to get the help and the, the encouragement and maybe the wisdom to know what to do. And when it's all said and done, we gather here seven days from now. Lord, may each of us have grown even just a step in our spiritual life because of some things that we did this week 
to intentionally draw us closer to you. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, we're going to stand.